Hello and welcome to the Hindu's Parley podcast. My name is Priscilla Jabaraj and I'm your host for today. When the opposition India block issued a list earlier this week of 14 television news anchors whose shows they intend to boycott, they set off a firestorm of debate. The ruling BJP said that it was evidence of an emergency era mindset, while news broadcasters associations accused the opposition of intolerance, undermining democracy, and setting a dangerous precedent. On the other hand, the India Bloc said that it did not want to legitimize a hate-filled narrative. Several observers also asked why the alliance felt the need to put out a specific list, singling out individual anchors. We're here on the Hindus Parley podcast today to discuss the boycott and its implications. both for politics and the media. I'm joined by Barkhadath who has been a television journalist with almost 3 decades of experience and is currently editor of digital news channel The Mojo Story and Abhinandan Sekri who is the co-founder and CEO of News Laundry, a site for media critique, news and current affairs. Welcome both of you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Thank you. Um so What do you think uh, Barkha if I could start with you what do you think is the purpose of this sort of boycott and do you think it will fulfill that purpose and what kind of precedent does it set I think uh, first it's important to tell our audience that boycotts have always existed they have uh, been de facto boycotts and now you're looking at a de jure boycott but boycotts have existed for as long as I've been a journalist uh, what do we mean by a boycott we mean either an individual a group of individuals or an entity a political party will not talk to another uh, journalist or an organization that the journalist represents in different phases um, i have been boycotted by different politicians of uh, both sides of the ideological divide and and uh, you know and i think every journalist would have a story like that so that's just context uh now in terms of this particular list of anchors uh, the other thing i want to say is that i think it's very important to separate those we accuse of hate mongering from those who've been accused of quote unquote bias because we are living at a time when the media reflects the polarized politics of our time the media is all for large part there are some exceptions also polarized into this or that camp so this bunching together of hate and bias is something that i find confused and confusing and the second point i'll make is my argument is that all right you are taking on the opposition says it's taking on hate and it's named these 14 anchors but it's not named in some cases their editors in some cases their promoters so for me if you're really serious about contending hate what is what what are you actually achieving uh, by going after an anchor whose pro hate policy would not exist if his or her editor or promoter didn't allow it and the last point i'd make is that in general i'm not a fan of cancel culture i think tv news is pretty dismal in our country i think there's a lot of hate on our uh, prime time i think it needs to be called out but i'm not sure this is the best way of doing so Uh, Abhinandan, could you address that uh, concern about you know whether excluding only certain anchors defeats the kind of inclusive democracy that this alliance says it envisions, and also they emphasize that they were not blacklisting the channels or the companies, just the anchors. So does that put blame in the right place? I mean, I won't get into who should be on the list, who is on the list, who isn't, who else can be on the list, who should be removed from the list. I mean, I'll restrict my comments to. 
the entire debate and discussion about should this be put out by this alliance the india alliance uh, that we will boycott these shows or these anchors uh, now i i just like to pull out a little bit and and uh, look at like barkha said boycotts have existed should they meet public or not is the question and today i saw supriya from the uh, whatever broadcast editors guild uh, whatever the organization is called has issued a statement saying that this paints a target on the journalists back etc so i think the media i mean a i don't think there's anything wrong with issuing this list uh, is it perfect or is it not perfect is a subjective call who else deserves to be on it who doesn't deserve to be on it is a subjective call but in essence is it okay to issue this i think it's absolutely fine because why do politicians appear on shows it is to propagate their ideology their marketing strategy their you know call for voters whatever it is that they want to put out if they are not achieving that you know why would they go on that show now whether it is only hate i mean i don't think if hate benefits one person they will stop going on it uh like i stopped going on many of these shows long ago because i realized it serves no purpose it is it is a completely loaded dice it is a circus and i didn't want to be part of it uh, and i think for a long time ago uh, you know politicians should have stopped going on these shows but whatever their immediate you know trigger was is is a separate point now i just want to you know ask your viewers to think a is there any point where politicians of any ideology should stop going on a show should they never stop going no matter what happens whether there are call for genocide whether so i'm sure for most of your viewers uh, listeners there is a cut off point now the question is are we there yet uh, you see if you just break it down then one can figure then does it make sense is it rational and generally as far as the media is concerned we started news laundry in 2012 i think there are not many avenues for the media to be held accountable they don't want to be held accountable and that is true especially for uh, legacy uh, media which is you know the old school uh, we put out you know uh, two reports every year on gender representation in newsrooms and caste representation in newsrooms no one wants to make that information transparent they don't even want to talk to us they don't want to be held accountable for anything you satirize them and critique them they take you to court as news lottery has been taken by india today and uh, times of india so i'm sorry i have absolutely no sympathy i think this whole painting a target on your back is bullshit these guys have been calling everyone from riya chakravarty to other journalists anti national that they should be taught a lesson one of these journalists on his show has claimed that i am uh, isi backer you see one thing we must realize is i'll give you a simple example when i was at news track ik gujral became uh, prime minister for a short period and i guess he knew he was going to be prime minister for a very short time so he did not even move to seven race course road this road which goes via bhogal from kanot place to where ik gujral lived in new friends colony maharani bag wherever it was was paved within one day when he became prime minister because he was going to stay there he would be going every day to parliament house right if you spread the injustice around enough it is the best way of it getting cleansed if you have these avenues of privilege which will not be touched just like in an imperfect world the media can't say we should be treated perfectly see the ether we are swimming in we are swimming in an extremely disturbing ether and the media system isn't dented or slightly compromised it is broken it is destroyed that is the context we live in so i think uh, to expect certain perfection in how we are treated in an environment where there is no perfection in how anyone else is treated is a bit rich and i have absolutely no sympathy 
for any media professional who wants to be treated with kid gloves. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, so, in the question of the issue of you know the, the current environment and and the question of are we there yet? Uh, Barkha, there's been a lot of talk about an emergency era mindset. Is it fair to compare uh, this move to the actions of that era? Are we are we there yet? Okay, so hang on. First, I just want to um, say that I don't feel sympathy for anybody on this purported list, right? Uh, sure. I just wanted. I'm listening to Abhinandan, and I have no sympathy for them. Like I, I, I think Abhinandan is correct in saying that several of these anchors have actually put a mark on individual uh, fellow journalists on their shows. Um, I remember uh, Ordhav Goswami in particular designating journalists in camps of national and anti-national. Um, I have been uh, at the receiving end of of that more than once, right? So it's very it's very uh, sort of complicated to 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 suggest that I'm you know that I'm I I have some skepticism about the point and the purpose of this list uh, translates into I feel bad for these people. I absolutely don't. I absolutely agree with Abhinandan that uh, that that the media model and the media sort of um, purpose, at least in broadcast and especially in broadcast media, is broken. Right. So I just wanted to say that um, say that upfront. Uh, I also feel that this phrase, "this is an emergency era," this is used by everybody today. It's used by the BJP when it suits the BJP. It's used by the opposition. It's used by the media when it suits the media. Everybody uses it to their convenience. The fact is that what we should really be talking about is is the absence of a media culture. We have not been able to deepen uh, or grow roots for a media that institutionally will guarantee you your right to access to public figures. Now, I have always argued that there's this kind of lazy judgmentalism with this phrase access journalism. And sure, if you want to, if by access journalism, you mean that journalists and politicians are too close to be able to talk about each other objectively, that's bad. But I am talking about the right to access my sources, right? Let, let's let's talk about it. I'm a reporter. Right? Before I'm anything else, an entrepreneur, an anchor, whatever, I'm a reporter. As a reporter... I need to be able to talk to people. I need to be able to go to places. If I cover conflict, I need to be able to meet with soldiers at the line of control. I need to be able to talk to officials in government. I'm just giving you an example. Right. Now, when you do not have an institutional culture that guarantees you that access to meet people through whom you will get stories, you cannot report sitting in your studio and you can report to some extent, but you need to meet people, you need to talk to people, Right. So I just feel that what we really need to talk about is the absence of that culture. The fact that today uh, a BJP doesn't talk to who it doesn't like, the Congress doesn't talk to who it doesn't like, that's what we should be questioning. How have we reached that point? And why have we reached that point? And why is it so okay with large sections of the media that actually boast about their access to one camp or the other? Right. Isn't there a difference, though, between, uh, you know, the, the word censorship is being bandied around, for example. Isn't there a difference when that's an action taken by the opposition, which has no legal power behind it, rather than by the government of the day? They're not really comparable. Am I right? Uh, no, I, in the context of the list. In the context of the list, but even in context of, of access or of denying access, isn't it different when the government denies access of its spokespersons versus the other way around? Okay. 
So in terms of not appearing on a show, it's the same. In terms of denying institutional access, of course, that the government wields that. So the central government wields that at state level, the state governments wield that. So those in power, of course, you hold more, you hold them centrally to account for not having access. But since the context is, I won't come to Abhinandan's show because I don't like Abhinandan. Both the BJP and the Congress do that. Right. I mean, using BJP and Congress loosely. Both this side and that side does that. So... What are we talking about? Are we talking about not engaging with shows? And secondly, why are we not calling out the elephant in the room? The promoters and the editors of these networks. If we believe these are hate-mongering individual anchors, they don't, they exist there because their promoter and editor has allowed them to exist, correct? So, but nobody wants to have that conversation. In fact, they specifically avoided that conversation by saying they were not blacklisting companies or, uh, you know, because, entire Because channel. the truth is the politicians do not want to lose their TV time beyond a point. Right. Um, if we can step for a moment beyond, you know, the political media circle or circus, as it may be, um, the response to this action indicates a wider distrust of sections of the news media, especially television news. Uh, you both started out in television and you're both in the online sphere, but both doing, you know, visual media still. Uh, you've been for uh, several decades. How did we get to this point? If you can step back in history for a moment, um, if we could start with you, Abhinandan. This point of, of, of the loss of trust and credibility. I, I think that uh, is a very long story. Your podcast will not have time to get into that. <laughs> It is a slow deterioration. For listeners for whom, you know, this is this is the moment they know of journalism. How do you tell them? How did we get here? So uh, I think uh, there are a couple of things. One, it is also a worldwide phenomenon. For example, right. a Trump is not even going to participate in his primary debates uh, because he feels he will not benefit as much as his, uh, you know, contenders will benefit from appearing on the same stage as him. So... I think politicians have realized that when they can incorporate or actually uh, get a certain media ecosystem into their campaign uh, team, so to speak, then they will not speak to anybody else. So in such an environment, uh, it is but natural. I think there are certain problems that don't have immediate solutions. I think this will evolve and, uh, you know, as citizens become more aware, their expectations from their politicians and their media changes. But most importantly, I think the change has to come from those who are most impacted by it, which is news professionals. I think the abdication of basic journalism and journalistic values by a significant chunk, the largest chunk of news professionals, and like Barkha said, owners and editors is where the buck must stop. We cannot expect another, you know, uh, uh, politicians or political parties or governments to stand up for the principles of, you know, access to information or access to people when we ourselves do not want to be held accountable or want to hold dear the principles of journalism. See, in India, culturally, like for example, let's take the example of the US. You touch the Second Amendment, even the most liberal Democrats will at best say there should be tighter gun controls. They won't say that guns should not be sold off the shelf because it is so dear to the citizenry there that even many Democrats will say, no, we cannot go that far. Their First Amendment, their freedom of speech is very dear to them. So whether it is a citizen, whether it is a journalist, it is important. And that extends into 
the larger ecosystem of sponsorships, for example, when Tucker Carlson or when Breitbart crossed the line on anti-Semitism or any such thing, overnight Breitbart, I think, lost some 22 sponsors. Uh, Tucker Carlson's show was off uh, for a while. This is not right now after he's been permanently fired earlier. You see, the same brands like a Microsoft or a Samsung or all these Motorola's, which will pull out sponsorships in the West because a line has been crossed, will happily continue to sponsor shows that are actively, you know, putting, you can see the news laundry reports, the kind of headlines they put, the kind of tickers they put. Because the expectation is not there, either from the citizens or from the viewers or indeed from us. I mean, uh, forget when things have gotten so rotten today, when there's like outright hate being spewed. Even in 2012, when we started News Laundry, journalists don't want to be held accountable. The fact is they don't want to answer questions. Uh, and, and this extends across the board, across uh, you know political ideologies, because they were at the top of the pyramid. So the solution is not a one line or a two line or a one page or a white paper. It will evolve as the expectations of our citizenry, of our news consumers evolve. I, I'm worried that they're not evolving, but devolving. That's my fear. Sometimes things have to get a lot worse before they become better. Sorry, just one second. The re, you know, yeah. the reason why um, you can completely, your campaign can go off track if an old photograph of yours is found in blackface or if some, uh, you know, Nazi memorabilia is found in, in uh, the US, in uh, Germany or in Europe is because they have seen such a huge injustice like slavery or like the Holocaust that they will not let that be repeated. That becomes a very primary part of the overall consciousness. I think India hasn't seen an injustice of that nature in living memory, which has been uh, you know, documented and kept that to remind us that this is how bad it can get. I think once such a huge injustice happens, then people kind of fall in line. I'm just afraid that rather than learn from the history of other countries, are we waiting for one such huge injustice of our own to wake up? That's a scary projection. Barka, could you speak to uh, the, the lack of trust in uh, sections of the news media and how do we rebuild any specific steps to rebuild credibility in journalism and especially in television news? Look, let's be honest. I think a lot of the lack of quality, the lack of boots on the ground reporting, talking heads only alone, shouting, hate-mongering. A lot of this could be changed if there were alternative revenue models to do content. I think some of us in the digital space are making that attempt where, uh, you know, we've had to adjust to the idea that you don't have to be mammoth to be impactful, right? So sort of you, 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 you do a kind of uh, different, uh, you build a different model. But till we resolve... Uh, till we resolve the sort of how do we how do we make news and media self-sustaining in the long run? I don't mean for two years for a company to last for ten years or two years or four years. How do you create a kind of industry where where news can pay for itself? And I always tell people like no matter where you go, people will crave non-stop about television media in particular, media in general, but in particular about television media. And then I'll turn around and I'll say, but do you watch it? And they'll say, oh, sometimes on mute, oh, sometimes for entertainment. And I'll be like, every time you watch it, you know, you all say, oh, these are all TRP chases, but you're the TRPs. You are the people providing those rating points so that these channels can go to advertisers and say, we have the numbers. So I think if enough people, and there I agree with Abhinandan, that in some ways, 
we have to have enough of our viewers and our audience caring uh, that this is what they're getting from the media. Because what happens is that if there is no, if revenue models are broken and the only way you can, you know, run a newsroom, a big newsroom is through corporate money or through political money, then you are not going to get high quality journalism. I think it's it, it, it's self-evident, right? So I think, I think one of the reasons we're here are broken revenue models. I do believe that there are still very brave, gutsy, energetic individuals in Indian media, but they don't have platforms. Some are building their own platforms. Some feel they don't have the energy to build their plat- those platforms. And I think that's the point. We need to talk about how news pays for itself. Right. That's a bigger question here. Um, I think I reached the end of what the questions I wanted to uh, address. Would either of you uh, have anything further you would like to add to? I think I've kind of said what I feel. Well, I think I'll just go with the time for your show because if I start talking, I don't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say, but I did promise to let you both go around 11. I, I will say that we first have to fix the news ecosystem within us. News professionals have to figure it out, whether it is through dialogue, whether it is through fights, whether it is through you know, whatever pressure building we can do, we got to figure out this is what journalism is because what is happening on the so-called news channels is not journalism. Once we have decided this is what journalism is and this is why journalism is important in a democracy, then we can go on to the viewers, etc., etc., etc. Right now at step one, we aren't there. And But I do think there is a critical mass of uh, the kind of people Barkha said, individuals who do want journalism to survive, who do hold those values dear, who can challenge the owner's uh, who have, you know, predominantly inherited wealth and therefore they are just running news organizations without giving a shit about journalism. Uh, and I think we are pretty close to, uh, you know, f- figuring out, uh, humbling those people. I-, I don't think we're very far from there. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, so many, in- some interesting perspectives here. Um, and uh, I- I've really learned some stuff. Thank you so much uh, for being part of it. All right. Thanks. Thanks.